Hi, welcome back to Rate That Album, a back-and-forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muadib. Paul, submission is a gift. Give it to your brother. I'm a mechanical man, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because London Bridge is falling down, Paul. Oh, my God, we did a thing. We did a thing. Yeah, this week, uh, you kind of opened the floodgates, Paul, with R. Kelly. <laughs> by letting us do problematic artists. And uh, this one I've been kind of kicking around for a while in my head. And I figured, why not? We'll just cram it in between two requests. Uh, we're doing Lie by one Charles Manson. Paul? <laughs> uh-huh. Before we get into this, uh, uh-huh. what do you know about uh, one Charles Miles Manson? <laughs> well, I, you know, <laughs> going into this, I, you know, I think most people know if you're uh-huh. listening to this, like I didn't do a, a disclaimer because if you're going into a podcast listening about the album Why by Charles Manson. I'm pretty sure you already know <laughs> what he was. Yeah. Well, remember in high school when they made us watch the Geraldo interview with Charles Manson for no reason? For no reason. For no reason. Um, Joe, fuck. It was... <sighs> <sighs> I knew of Charles Manson because even back in the day, my family member, uh, a family member of mine, my mother, not my mother, was already like ahead of the curve when it came to like real, like, like, like we now every all women. So sexist. Whoa. <laughs> well, I'm obsessed with true crime. Um, yeah. Let's just say it wasn't helter skelter. Yes. By Vincent Bulagosi, the prosecuting a- attorney who put the Manson family in prison. That was a wildly popular book. It, was it a wasn't mayor. like this was an underground thing. Like Charles Manson and his family were in the ether as long as, you know, our entire lives. Yeah. I mean, I knew of it because I remember seeing the cover of the book. I remember seeing the cover of the book. And like, and then my sister, You're like, through a, why do you write a book about this slide that the Beatles wrote a song? Right. And that was the thing. Like, I, I thought it was like, again, younger, I thought it was like a Beatles documentary. So my sister started getting into the Beatles when I was, so I was four years younger than her. So she got into the Beatles when she was about 14, 15. So I would have been 10, 11. And I would really idolize my sister as my mom, if I could read the book about the Beatles. And she was like, it's not a book about the Beatles. And then uh, I started asking about, and she didn't want me reading the book. She thought the book was too graphic, but there was like on like cable or something, there was some like E Hollywood story, you know, that there was always, was, I mean, Charles Manson has been so documented, but it wasn't what was interesting to me, Joe, was it wasn't until I was much, 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 much older that I understood like the why I knew he did these things and it was a cult, but I didn't understand the white supremacy behind it. Like that was left out of a lot of documentaries 
that were done, it was just like, oh my God, they were crazy and killed people. It wasn't until much later that the documentary started coming out and being like, no, this fucker was trying to start a race war. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. And the weird, it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read Helter Skelter until I was like 1920. And uh, I'm fast. I'm fascinated with the Manson family. Like I, you know, I gotta say, I don't condone what they did. It's just a really fucked up story. It's something that really happened. Uh, it's been like in the pop culture ether our entire lives. Like we pretty much were aware, probably even in elementary school, that Charles Manson pretty much represented evil in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, that's how big his shadow loomed still by the 1980s. Like, uh, America had still not gotten over uh, the horror that him and his gaggle of chuckleheads brought down. Yes. 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 Yeah. And it was, I mean, and there's still to this day, we don't know all of them. Um, yeah, to this day, they don't know how many victims mm-hmm. the Manson family uh, are responsible for. They don't know if all the victims are even found. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, for you know, the one person's like, "Who the fuck are they talking about?" Charles Manson in the late '60s started a cult in Los Angeles, and uh, in, ni- in 1969, he ordered his followers to go to the house of Sharon Tate and murder everybody. And then the next night, he sent them out again to kill more people. And it shook, uh, it shook uh, the country. It shook Los Angeles, especially, especially. And so, well, I'm going to get into it, but Manson was known to a lot of uh, celebrity type people. <laughs> he, he was, was. He, he ran was. in circles. So I'm going to kind of just get into a little bit of a brief history, Paul. Please Paul, just Paul, do Paul. it. Just no, just, you know what? You don't even have to go brief. I did an hour with R. Kelly run the gamut, sir. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I could talk about Manson for hours again. I'm just fascinated by the, I've read books and all oh, sorts of shit. Like it's a fascinating story. It's just fascinating. So like his early years, like, you know, he had a rough life, but I wouldn't say he had it more rough than others that turned out perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent most of his uh, teenage years in, uh incarcerated, uh, 20s, mostly, almost exclusively incarcerated. Uh, prison was what he knew. And uh, so there's a couple factors which leads to how he was able to to cultivate a cult in prison. He, he was picking up, he was very, uh, he was learning. (laughs) He learned how to be a better criminal in prison. Paul, Mm. I think that's a, a lot of people who have been in prison will tell you that's not uncommon. It's not, it's regardless of what your ideas are in prison, prison reform, things like that. Let's be, let's be blunt. You put people in prison, they're going to learn from each other and they're going to trade stories and they're going to go, this is how I got away with this. Well, this is how I get away. I mean, it's, it's par for the course. Okay. Yep. And so there's, 
I will say there's three things that he learned in prison. One, he learned a lot from pimps. He learned from pimps how to, uh, you know, pick out and find damaged women. Not broken women. They'd always tell him that broken women, uh, too much work. Find the damaged ones. Well, he found a little bit of both when he got started his family. Mm-hmm. But he learned how to keep them in, you know, keep them dependent on him. And you, it, this would things he picked up here, he would do with his family. Like they were never allowed to have money because that way they could never leave. He would control like whether his family could, what they listened to. And he basically isolated them for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. just so he could have complete control over them. The other thing he learned in prison was a program called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Oh, my God. That fucking... So the, yeah, it's basically like, you know, you were in sales, so you're like, basically, I'm, I'm sure you, if you don't know the Dale Carnegie thing, you at least are aware of the, oh. the, what spread out from it, basically telling people what they want to hear. Yep. And all that, you know, just selling. It's basically sell, sell, sell. You're selling yourself. So yes, like you. you're selling your the whole thing. And because I've had to read it for several, even though I, I've been in sales for a long time, and several like you got to read like I have, the the Dale Carnegie I threw at you. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is true with Dale with with, with, with Dale Carnegie, um, is um, it is exactly that. It's the sales format of. You sell yourself before the product. It's the idea of you get people to buy into you, and they like you, then then you win, and that's yeah, building really the ultimately. Relationships. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't need to be a fucking how long book it is. It really just need to be one paragraph. Fucking get them to do it. But so see, in prisons in the fifties, they had courses, Dale Carnegie course that Manson took part in. <laughs> so he's learning from pimps. He's learning from Dale Carnegie. And the third thing, Paul, is Scientology. Shock. Yeah. He was a Scientologist in prison. At least he claimed he was. He would go to the seminars and all that. And he he was he was absorbing all this in his he's in his twenties, so he's absorbing all this. For everything that Manson was, he wasn't stupid. He was very smart and Certain areas, very fucking stupid in others, and very, uh, you know, let's face it, he was sociopath, psychotic, uh, probably bipolar, based off. If you, when we get to the music, there's definitely parts where it seems like he's going into manic phase. So he's picking this, all this up. He's learned all this in prison. He's a, and he, in 1967, he's going to be paroled, and he begs them. To not let him out. Begs him. Because at this point, he, he's had the only structure in his life that he's had is in a prison. He does not know how to function outside. <laughs> he has no idea how to function. He tells them, I'm going to end up breaking laws and I'll be back in here. And they're like, yeah, well, when you do that, we're all here, you know. Fucking 23 skidoo, buddy. So, real quick, on there's a guy, I'm not going to say his name, that you and I know um <clears throat> that um was in was basically once we graduated high school he did everything he could to get back in the prison he even at one point brought a gun into um uh 
um, court and threatened the judge to make sure that he got a longer sentence because he couldn't yeah. live outside of he became so institutionalized he couldn't do it and there's just some people that are like that we talked about this a little bit last week and uh, you know as much as we think there's rehabilitation for people and there's ways to help people manson was one of those people who was just born with a glitch in their brain uh from what i've read like even when he was like disciplined and like given structure as the child he still broke all the rules he didn't care because that would probably fall into his psychopathy his sociopathic tendencies he he knew right and wrong he didn't give a shit exactly yes Uh, so now we have a perfect storm brewing because oh yeah there's another influence he picks up in prison paul the beatles (laughs) he becomes obsessed with the beatles not because of their music he wants fame he wants to be he was telling people in prison he wanted to be bigger than the Beatles. Oh, well. It gave I'm, him, and, but here's the thing. So he started playing guitar and music, and his his behavior in prison was actually going better. Now he was focused on music instead of causing trouble. Yeah. But here's the perfect storm. He's released in 67, The Summer of Love. And he finds himself in Berkeley and San Francisco, San Francisco, Oakland area. Uh, so, yeah, he has all the stuff he's just learning. LSD is everywhere. Uh-huh. Flower children are out. Uh, and he just falls face first into this, <laughs> this, this new uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he totally embraces it. Uh, he's, but he's, what he's seeing is he's seeing gurus pop up. And here's the thing when you're on LSD or whatever, you know, you're, it changes your, your thinking and how you view things. And that was probably another potent thing in his arsenal was unlocking that part of his brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's got this con artist tendencies. He grew up so, with a very religious grandmother, so he knew scriptures. He starts combining all this weird shit he learned in prison from Dale Carnegie, Scientology, the Beatles, and Christianity. And he becomes one of probably hundreds of gurus in San Francisco at this time. He's not really standing out. But he f- keeps finding women uh, who are just fall for it you know and here's the thing like if you're con artist it does you don't need to have everybody fall for it you just need someone to fall for it and he keeps finding these people uh now why am i retreading this well he started when he's now he's starting his family (laughs) he's starting his family in prison he met a guy it was actually the producer of the lie album paul his name is phil kaufman god damn it Phil Kaufman told him in prison because he was kind of impressed with Charlie's music that he had a guy in L.A. and he should see him at Universal uh, Records or whatever. And Manson calls a guy up after he's start cultivating his family. He's working on songs. Then he brings them all to Los Angeles. So they migrate from San Francisco to L.A. And it doesn't go well. Paul. <laughs> no. He's not focused. Mm-hmm. 
he won't. And this is the thing with him in the studio. He's brought in the studio a few times, and he's not because he's got these people in his family, men and women, so believing that he can't do wrong. He can't take any cues from an engineer. <laughs> so if he's too far away from the mic and they say, hey, Charlie, you want to get closer to the mic? It's no. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I've been in studios. You don't fucking do that. No, no, but he knew better. Charlie he, knows better. He's, so he's, and I, I'm not going to claim I know the psychology of Charles Manson. I think part of him believed his bullshit, and, but I think deep down inside, another part of him knew it. This was just a fucking con. He's a con artist, but that mm-hmm. kind of goes with his uh, mental illness. So you can believe two things at once. Uh, and that's a big thing with uh, I think people lose sight of with con artists is they really a lot of them have, do believe. Yeah, yeah, you have to believe the lie to sell it. Part of you has to to be yeah. successful. And yeah, I he mean, was successful. I mean, look at Theranos. She totally believed her lie. I mean, she knew she. It's, it's a confusing concept, but yes, they were lying. Yes, they knew they were lying, but they also were believing their own lie. Yeah, well, even like and so. Backtrack at a few years after Red Helter Skelter nine eleven happened. So I'm reading about Bin Laden. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar how he got his very father. Same, like it's a mix of. You know, grievances and fears with religious bastardization of religion. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a tale as old as time. I mean, people have always, you know, I'm not you know I'm not a religious person, and I think people who have their religious beliefs that's great. But then there's these twisted fucks <laughs> that just manipulate it and bring it to a whole level. Anyway, so Manson, he's kind of struggling. Because he wants this record deal. He wants to be bigger than the Beatles, Paul. Mm-hmm. One day, two of his members are hitchhiking, and they're picked up by none other than Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys, Paul. God. Uh, 60, I believe it's 68. They spend an entire summer at Dennis Wilson's <laughs> cabin. Where, <laughs> to his estimation, cost him $100,000. And that's in 1968 money. So uh, I, I got a point. Do you want to look that up, Paul? <laughs> no, I, I, 100 I, I, grand in 68 would be. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, OK, I'll look that up. Like close to a million dollars, I'd imagine. Uh, be, oh, I think that's over. I think I'll that's look over. It up, Paul, you got Google. I do got Google. <laughs> I'm going to keep me- talking. Well, <laughs> but I'm real, I want to bring this up because this is not something. Oh, no, it's a little under. It's about eight eight hundred. It's about eight hundred seventy one thousand dollars back in 68. <laughs> um, yeah, <that's> not, <laughs> he's a beach boy. He has money. But like uh, he got in trouble with it because a lot of it was being uh, written off by the beach boys had just started a record label called Brothers. And so like all these uh, expense reports are coming in. Like, Dennis, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, I get this guy here, Charlie. <laughs> this um, harem of women. <laughs> yeah, so I want to bring this up because this is I, I I find this ironic, and we've done Pink Floyd and Roger Waters, and the, I don't think we're ever going to get to this. For one of the songs in the Wall, the beach Pink Floyd in the eighties reached out to the Beach Boys and 70s. said, yeah, excuse me, in the seventies reached out to the Beach Boys and said, would you do this song? And they're like, no, tarnish our image. 
Tarnish are fucking it. You fucking Charlie. Okay. <laughs> Your image is way tarnished before that. That's that was laughable yeah. even by even without Charles Manson in the equation. Like, yeah, their their image was pretty not good. Minus, no, you know you the Manson connection. So, but now Manson's making these connections with the music industry outside you know, the guy at Universal. Uh, Dennis is impressed with him. Uh, there's other artists, like Neil Young met him in Topanga Canyon, and he was like, this guy is really good, but even nobody can get him a record deal, Paul. Um, because you know, part of it's also his fault, because he's not... <laughs> He's not focusing on the songs. We'll get into this when we talk about the so the songs. There's elements here where I can see a, a minor hit song, but he just like he's just fucking going in manic mode. So it's, it, he, he's like it was his own worst enemy, <laughs> more ways than one. <sighs> so you know, one of these people is Terry Melcher. Uh, I'm not going to go into the murders. Uh, he lived on Cielo Drive, where Tar- Tar- he was. The- he lived there, and then Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski moved in after him. Manson knew the place, and he knew- thought that was. It's unclear if he knew if uh, Melcher still lived there or not. I think he didn't know, and I don't think he cared when he sent the people out, uh, the family out to kill there. I think it was more of a statement anyway, but also uh, put a little fear into Terry Melcher. Melcher was a producer. Uh, record producer, big shot record producer in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but he just, he's his growing frustration, Paul. <laughs> because like he's like, he's, there was growing frustration, Joe. His growing frustration. And here's the thing he wasn't too far away from actually <laughs> getting signed to a record deal. He's palling around with the Beach Boys. Like he recorded tracks. They were produced by Brian and Carl Wilson that are mysterious. Uh, allegedly, uh, I believe Dennis Wilson burned them, mm-hmm. saying that evil vibes. The <laughs> 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 you know? 60s were a wild time, dude. Oh, man. Like, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, it's this era. He's, so, he's batting around, and this is where a lot of these recordings are coming from. For the lie album, it's just like he's these times in the studio and doing demos and cutting demos for people. Like he's uh, he came pretty fuck. He came closer than I ever did to a record deal, Paul. Mm. <laughs> like you got a little further than Charlie, but I, I did get a little further than Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't palling around with Mike Love or anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, all it takes is one dick suck and you can get a record deal. <laughs> That's your fault, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, yeah, Charlie. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, well, his friendship with Dennis becomes pretty contentious to the point where the Beach Boys covered a song on this album, ceased to exist, except they changed the title to "Never Learn Not to Love." And uh, changed the lyrics, and then Dennis took full songwriting credit for it because he figured Charlie owed him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, adjusted for inflation, eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I think 
whatever minor royalties Devis got from that, it was more than fair. <laughs> more than fair. More than fair for Charlie. I mean, I don't think Dennis got ahead on that deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a fucking million dollars. Jesus Christ. $871,000. Yeah, I mean, like, it was like doctor's bills, like all the... The oh. girls and guys kept getting BD and shit. Like, oh my god! Oh man, it's just it's a you know that's the sixties. It was it, BD the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> BD's the gift. Give it to your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and so as these frustrations mount, then you know Banson's. We're still working on songs, but he's more focused on his cults. They end up at Spawn Ranch. Then after Spawn, they, he tries to bring him out to Death Valley. It's kind of an uproar amongst the family members he brought out there because it was so far in the middle of nowhere. He was starting to lose control over a lot of things. There was no food. <laughs> Imagine in the, middle of the desert and abandoned towns. There's no food for them. Uh Funny how he didn't have a steady supply of drugs. One of the daily rituals was LSD trips. I couldn't imagine tripping every fucking day. Oh my god, Joe. The mental exhaustion. I mean There has there's a point where your brain just won't allow you to trip. Yeah. It's, it's uh, just it doesn't. It just won't let you. I mean. Mm. But yeah, that's mentally exhausting. Um, yeah, so he had to bring them all back to spawn. And the rest is history. Uh, his frustrations boil over. His uh, philosophy morphs into like this weird apocalyptic race war that he brought up, brought on and with Helter Skelter. Like he became upset. He was obsessed with the Beatles with the White Album. He started incorporating into his really <sighs> fucked up philosophy. Like he uh, he was Rocky Raccoon Paul. Like uh -huh. <laughs> and it's eerie to. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When you find out the story, like, after Susan Atkins is the one who flips on him, like, Sexy Sadie has a whole different kind of vibe to Oh, it. my God. What have you done? You made a fool of everyone. Oh, my God. But, like, it's just, like, you know, it's a, those loose connections co combined with, you know, the drug use and all that. I mean, people are starting to believe his lies. And he's controlling and he's racist <laughs> and he's contradictory and like yeah and it boils over until they start acting on violence mm. and then they were put away for the rest of their goddamn lives rightfully and so thank god sharon tate's sister goes to their parole meetings to make sure they none of the members ever get out mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> I can't help but wonder if Vince Billigosi never wrote Helter Skelter, if Manson would not be as famous as he as he eventually became. Like I think it might have been a footnote in the summer in the late sixties, but I think the book really put that in overdrive. It 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 again. Every you're right. Everyone owned owned that book, and you know back to kind of the, just the cult mentality for many here. You know, there a common thing that cults would do is keep their people exhausted, but also, yep, yep. he would keep them exhausted. He would wake them up at seven in the morning and have them do hard labor work around the mm -hmm. spawn ranch because mm -hmm. his 
if they're tired all the time, they're not thinking. Yes. And then another one that they do, too, is a lot of times, uh, I mean, not that I'm against veganism or anything like that, but one of the big ways is um, cutting back on the amount of protein and making people live off of kind of vegetables and not get the amino acids because it also is known to make the brain sluggish. Like there's are two main factors is the hard labor and the cutback on the protein in order yeah. to keep them emaciated and keep their brain tired. Yep. Yeah. And plus how they got their food was dumpster diving and it was hard to get unspoiled meat. So that oh. also played into it. Like that kind of worked in his favor, I think inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then of course, we'll get to the dumpster diving because he wrote a song about it on the. <laughs> God damn it! It's uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's interesting in that you know if these people just bought into it and yeah, it's fucked up, man. These cults. It's like, he's like to me, he's the dark other side of the coin of that of what Ken Kesey was doing with the Merry Pranksters. Yeah, that was very positive and. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's elements of sexism and all that in there, but uh, it's nowhere near like that dark coin. Like Casey and those pranksters, they drove around this bright, colorful bus. Manson bought a bus too. The girls painted it colorful, and he wanted it painted black. So yep. that should have been clue number one. <laughs> clue number one. Clue number one in the <laughs> 60s. Everyone... Off with this peace love guy. And two. He kept them in line by either publicly humiliating them or physical violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Wilson ended up getting freaked out because Charlie was always waving a knife around. And he wasn't sure if he was ever actually going to use it or not. God. Probably did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, it's... Again, there's so many, like, it's, and you know, the murders didn't even just start with the, the Tate LaBiancas as goes back to a, a guy he knew from Haight Ashbury time, Gary Hinman and mm-hmm. Bobby Boussoulet was also a member of the family. He uh, killed that guy. Manson cut off his ear. Like you get this shit where people are like, well, well he didn't do anything. Like, well, he, he kind of did. did. He <laughs> did. And like, he he was, did. just because he wasn't there for the, the Tate murders. He knew what was going on. He told him to do it. He's culpable. He, yeah, he's, <laughs> that's yeah. how the law works. You can't just convince people to go and murder people and then think nothing's going to happen. Yeah, or, or or you know, or whip them into a frenzy, send yeah. them on their way, and then say I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with it. You, you you're culpable. Yeah, he tied up the Labiancas too. So. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so. and so he and so there was no them getting escape. He tied them up. They were going to yeah. die. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so thankfully, none of them will ever. I think most of them are almost all dead now. Anyway, Charles Charlie died like in 2017, I think. Uh, yeah, just spent most of his his almost his entire life in prison. Jesus fuck. Yeah. Oh, Joe, Joe. Um, well, Joe, I. Is there anything else you want to go over? Because you know, there's. Other sorts of weird things, like he did show up at the Tate house when Sharon was there, but he got chased away. Yeah. 
I mean, then there was the swastika, then there was the... That's during the trial, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The trial was basically... That's a... That's a... (laughs) That that belter-skelter. I I get annoyed with Bulagosi because he kind of like... He helps kind of shape this mysticism inadvertently, but I think he did it also because... I don't know why. But (laughs) the trial part. I mean... One of the defense attorneys fucking was killed by the family <laughs> because he pissed off Charlie. He said that he wanted his client tried separately from the rest, and then he went camping and never returned. God damn it, Joe! God. I mean, fuck, man! Like, uh, I mean, we, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, it's dark, you know, it's dark. It's dark and it's, it's surreal dark. and it's fucked yeah. up. And like doing the research on this, Paul was like it. <laughs> Dude, he got married in prison. Do you remember that fucking? Yeah. He got. I mean, he got mad at her. <laughs> like he was like, she's only using me. Like, well, what the fuck? What do you the fuck do you think she's marrying You're for? You're a fucking troll. God damn it, Charlie! Look at you. God, yeah, no, I mean, there's a fascination in there, and you know, I mean, you, you, the book is so good, and there have been. A literal hundreds of documentaries yeah. Yeah. made about the hundreds of books. I've read a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating stuff. It's unsettling and it's fascinating. And I think that's part of the appeal is just how strange it is. And it, it, the impact it hit. Like sixty seven was the summer of love, and sixty nine ended up being the summer of hate. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, sixty nine. I think is Altamont, where Hell's Angels killed a guy. Oh, Altamont! You know, sixty eight was rough with, and you know, you have to understand there's race riots going on in the sixties. We like to think this era is tumultuous. The sixties were pretty fucking tumultuous. Riot, like Watts, the Watts riot is fucking nuts. Watts, fucking dude. Even to this day, rioting. You know, basically, it's the riots ended because there's nothing left to break. You know, I I drove. I mean, we. I had to go through Watts one time for work, um, for a job I had, and the guy I was with was like, "Drive as fast as you fucking can." Like, I'm not. It still scared him. The Watts riots still scared him. Well, Watts is Watts is a a result of how cities use racism to divvy it up divvy up the city so like all the the poor blacks black people were basically just put in this watts area and it was hard to get hard anybody you you know you know you know minorities couldn't buy houses in rich white neighborhoods like it's very it was very and we still see this to the today we still see it to the we still see it today it's fucked up and Watts, Watts was a very much a, the, you know, it boils over. You can't, you can't treat people like this. No. So 60s no. were fucked up. So on top of that, Manson has this, you know, everything's going violent. You have the 68 convention in Chicago. Around t- people see on TV protesters being beaten, gassed by cops. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all cannon fodder for Charlie to keep his people like, see, you're with me and we're safe. Yep. Yep. So no, do what I was, say. It was a crazy time because I think, Joe, the one, one of the big things is people now, 
you know, history, it's always controlled by the winners or whatever, right? And the idea that, you know, the that 60s were this, but it was the rise of a lot of things. It was the rise of the serial killer. It was rise of civil rights. It was the rise of um, really class warfare when people really started to recognize class warfare. Um, it was the rise. Again, we had fucking Bundy and like people and like there was just there was such an, a bubbling underneath Technology all Technology is advancing mm-hmm. at a and, rapid rate. And people, even then, that's when we started to see people losing their job from automation and things like that. And the, you know, the economy is starting to fucking turn to what became very difficult in the 70s, the rising of the fucking um, mortgage rates and housing costs. And it was it was a gas tumultuous crisis. gas. Yes. The gas shortage. It was such a tumultuous time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just every era is tumultuous, but, you know. I'm not downplaying what we've gone through because we've oh gone through my some tumultuous times, but like, no, it's the it's you know it's the '60s, '70s were just again it's a perfect storm. Yeah, and you had Vietnam going on. You had just so fucking much, Joe. And in the middle of this, you got this little con artist, <laughs> little Connie Con, with, with his with his gaggle of chuckleheads isolated out and he's obsessed with getting a record deal mm-hmm. and fuck he doesn't get it and it's everybody else's fault it's not his fault <laughs> and then bam it just he fucking again there's a glitch in people like him mm-hmm. he wasn't born right i'm sorry there's just people who are born fucked up and there's no helping they're just fucking nuts Hate to be that guy, and I'm sure people are like, you can't say that, but fuck. You can. You can. You can 100% say that because it's the truth. Again, when you, just in the – and, and people go, you can't. But even in the odds of probability, you're talking mathematical physics. It's going to happen. Yeah. Mathematically just, speaking, it's going to happen. It has – statistically, yes. Yeah. And, you know – Manson's not a, a story of a guy who just fell through the cracks. He was just a fucked up guy. And there was nothing that was ever really going to change him. No. And, and he fell into like the weirdest timeline, <laughs> fell in the weirdest area of the country where the weirdest shit was starting to pop up during a youthful revolution. Yeah, it, he, it was, again, perfect storms of shit happening, you know. The 60s had a lot of good things happen and it had a lot of fucked up, terrible things happen. <laughs> Manson was probably, he's not the most fucked up, but he's definitely up in that list. Yeah, Joe, it's, I mean, and again, I think you're right. The way it was written, the way the book went through, and I think there could have been other, I mean, there was other cults. There was other things going. It was mm-hmm. such a rise of that because, and also the other thing with it too, is now, there's a lot more willful ignorance in today's than there was then because you didn't have the, you didn't have mass calm in the way that you have it now. Um, you didn't have information the way that you have it now. So it was very, 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 very easy f- for some of these people that were being in this tumultuous time of being 
you know, what you're seeing, you know, what's happening. And, you know, you didn't get all the information. And then, you know, there's all these underbellies and all these horrible things going on. Now there's a lot more mental gymnastics to get to that point. Um, but people still do it. Yeah. But and if you look at what he's he was telling his people, like, yeah, other culture, like, but like coming into the 70s after Manson, a lot of the shit he was telling his people was really was like people were saying the same shit in this weird new age feel goodery stuff. People trying to deal with the tumultuous, like a lot of that, you know, and we'll see, you see that in some of these songs, mm-hmm. you know, there's no evil, you know, people, <laughs> you know, like the world's messed up and your love is all good and all that shit, you know, like, you know, and he wouldn't, you know, but yeah, cults were popping up before and after Manson, you know, Jonestown, oh, <laughs> Scientology. Gee, yeah, Salman. I'm going to flip Scientology so we don't get sued by <laughs> mm, I'm going to get on the couch and jump up and down and squeeze, Joe. I love you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is, this is, you know, cults happen. But like, I think at the 60s with, you know, people becoming more different way of thinking on top of easier access to drugs also drugs is a big part of it let's be drugs are a big part of it drugs and people just feeling lost i mean that's just like easy prey you know people are just in a a crisis they're easy prey for fucking charlatans look at jonestown yeah jonestown yeah (laughs) fucking jonestown joe that is a fuck all um. Oh my God! Do we have to get into this fucking album? Yeah, uh, we got to get into "Lie," which was again produced and put out by <laughs> his good time buddy Phil Kaufman. Yeah, God. Uh, uh, let's. I mean, you and I know who Phil Kaufman is, but why don't you? Uh, take I it? mean, he grew on to be pretty. He worked with a lot of people, Paul. Yeah, he, he worked. With people graham parsons zappa uh, zappa your good buddy zappa my good buddy zappa our good buddy hank williams three yep damn it god damn it uh joe cocker yeah stones (laughs) charlie manson (laughs) but again he was he was running in these circles yeah man like he knew a lot of these people like whether they will admit it or not they were they met charles manson these 60s bands damn it you know <laughs> fuck it. he was he was close to it and then he again he's a psycho he was a psychopath so he fucking lost his shit i'm sure daily lsd traps <laughs> didn't help with any of this but it is what it is. So now we're talking about Lie, which came out in 1970 after, I believe it's after the trial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't do very well when it came out, Paul. Gee, gee, Joe. I wonder why it didn't do well. Um, well, during the reception, you know, re- retrospective reviews of the album have been largely positive, though critics have noted the difficulty of separating Manson's music from the subsequent <laughs> chorus. Well, here's the them. thing. Looking at these lyrics. Oh, they don't, you know, okay, they don't predict that he's going to be a killer. No, but no, they don't. No, they don't. Heavy uh, 
a heavy aroma of how he was a cult leader. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. his philosophies in these songs, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not, here's the thing. This album's not as fucked up as people think it going in is going to think it is, but it's also kind of fucked up album, Paul. Um, there's fucked up stuff, but again, there's a lot of rambling nonsense on this album too. Joe, <laughs> like a few songs where I think like there's an actual song there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There actually have several notes where I'm like, well, this is kind of a song. Yeah. Again, he, had, he wasn't talentless. No, he, as much as I want to say he was right. Cause that'd make, yeah, it I think we all this. like to say that, but he had a talent. He did, he did, but luckily, the you can hear the crazy. Yeah, the crazy's in there. <laughs> There's no medication for this kind of crazy. <laughs> this is a guy who should have just stayed locked up, yeah. like he begged. To I be. mean, I think nowadays you put out this album, even though it's not a lot to indicate it. I think people go. There's a lot of red flags. Yeah, oh. yeah. Like if you okay. Say I didn't, there was, I had no idea Charles Manson. And you're like, here's the lyrics from the new Neil Young album, Joe. And I looked at this and be like, there's something, there's a fucking glitch in Neil Young's brain because this is a night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, there's this fucking glitch, man. <laughs> like, he, there's times where he's kind of funny. Like, here, you know, he's charismatic. He's, there's a reason why, pe- like, he had over 30 followers at one point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can hear the charisma on some songs. You can see why, you know, it's just he's a he was a fucking monster. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, so let's yeah. start. Let's start yeah. with. Uh, yeah, he's a fucking monster. You think mm-hmm. so, Paul? Mm-hmm. Don't you think he just may have gotten a bad rap? Sure, he got a bad rap. That's <laughs> yeah, good match. It's good Here's the thing, like, there's, I think there's still people out there who are still technically part of the family. There, I mean, theoretically speaking, there are. There, I mean, because they could definitely, they, they stood to that point where they could be alive right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and they could come for us after we tear apart this album. Um, they're, they're, he has a rabid fan base, you know? Uh, goody. Goody. Like Stephen Wright said, uh, like they threatened to kill me. Like, I'll just say what Stephen Wright said in Natural Born Killers. Mallory Knox said if she ever saw you, she'd kill you. I don't believe anything women tell me. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting canceled. We're getting canceled. Um, yeah, it's oh god, this for okay. So again, we got like, this, this is an album of basically demos, and that's it has that demo feel. Um, there's this a really annoying pop throughout. And hiss throughout this album. Can't believe they haven't remastered this, Paul. <laughs> Boy, goddamn, Joe. Fuck if somebody's not gone into Pro Tools and cleaned this fucker. Dude, what the fuck? So we you can hear what? the Chris sound of him banging on his guitar like a drum. <laughs> I have notes. I have notes. Like some guitars do that, and sometimes there's normally the light tap. Oh, yeah, I do it. Here he's using like a fucking drum. Yep, I do it sometimes. You just do the boom, the boom, the boom. Yeah. The lyrics. Again, if it's a Manson, that we gotta we gotta dig into the lyrics here. Verse two, 
what a right. man. Look at your game, girl. Yep, yep. Look at your game, hey, girl. We didn't know. We didn't, you're getting ahead of me, Paul. Sorry, Joe. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Joe. We're getting to the cupcake territory. Gilmer up a Manson with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <and> so, <laughs> the, the overview, yeah, the lyrics and all that. It's also stylistically, it changes, which maybe is part of. I'm not going to say it would, like he's pooling all his influence. I think he's just fucking nuts, Paul. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Charles Manson may have had a mental problem. I think this guy was not sane, Joe. Uh-huh. Was, I think he was a few sandwiches short of a picnic, Paul. Mm-hmm. Drift. Yeah. Catch uh, my drift, Paul. I, I catch it. I'm, ca- I'm, I'm, I'm smelling what the rock's laying down here, and it definitely is not a full carton of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look at your game, girl. A song that uh, famously was covered by Guns N' Roses on the Spaghetti. Fucking pricks! And like you brought this up too. It's like, which like bands covered his music just for the shock value. It's all it was. It wasn't except it was for good. one band, and that was the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah, that's because they wanted eight hundred seventy-one thousand dollars back. <laughs> How much, how much do you think Dennis Cotton Royals <laughs> I don't know if he made back that hundred grand. <laughs> I'm sure he only got like something like I would guess five figures at most. <laughs> yeah, maybe twenty grand. Yeah, maybe twenty, twenty-five grand, which is still a good amount in, the, in that time. It's a B-side to a single. So. It's a B- <laughs> Yeah, it was. I shared that video. That the there's a video of it. There's a video singing the song. God damn it! Uh, speaking of, Dennis Wilson does have a solo album <laughs> that we'll get to at some point. <laughs> Fuck you! Only Beach Boys thing, Beach Boys item that I actually enjoy. <laughs> so right. we can always we can we'll be able to reminisce about Charlie and Dennis again. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Oh, oh, my life is complete, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm certain. To, so look at your game, girl. <coughs> I'm starting to see. I don't know if you noticed this thread in the lyrics, Paul, but they seem kind of paranoid. Uh, what was that, Joe? They seem a little paranoid. <laughs> I think Charlie might have been a little paranoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he also seems like he's always the victim of something. What a mad delusion, living in that confusion, frustration, and doubt. Can you ever live without the game? That sad, sad game, mad game. Just to say love's not enough. Just to be true, you could tell those lies, baby, but you're only fooling you. Yeah, and so... (laughs) Can you feel those feelings real? Look at your game, girl. Oh, look at your game, girl. Um, His voice on this isn't bad. I actually like that. And I was actually surprised. So, like, the first time I heard this was probably back in <coughs> 2000. <coughs> you know, it, it was not what I was expecting because I had no idea what a Charles... Ma- this is, like, after Napster and all that shit. So, right. like, you could gra- get this without, you know... Because record stores weren't going to sell it. And you don't want to give them money. <laughs> you don't want to give them money. I think the money does... Royal money goes to, like, victims' charities and stuff like that, so... So if you listen to it, like, at least something came out, like maybe some streaming <laughs> nickel we got for them. But yeah, so I heard it and it was not what I, there's only one song on here that was kind of like what I was expecting. Uh, but this is like 50s crooner stuff. It, uh, you know, 50s pop, like 
Frankie Valley or fucking Perry Como shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was not expecting that. So yeah, I think this 50s crooner stuff with fucking red flag lyrics, more red flag than those songs. And those songs had a lot of red flags. Because right. it's always about like a 30 year old man trying to sleep with a 15 year old girl. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> Family guy pointed it out. It's in, it's in Joe Swanson's jukebox. <laughs> Oh, we are fucked. Go on. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It, but this is one of the songs I said actually sounds like a song. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now we go to yes. Ego. Yes. Oh. Which, Joe. Minus the sitar, which, the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> the fuck? I know, I was doing the same thing. I was like, what the hell's happening here? Here's the thing, since it was... This is just a whirlwind of different times they're recording. There's, I don't think there's a list of who's playing what. I don't think the, so. With Ego, it could have... I don't know if this is from leaked uh, the Wilson stuff, because like, at least they would... I know Brian Wilson probably would have had somebody who knew how to play a fucking sitar. Like, but there's no... nobody. I don't think anybody's going to owe up to when they played on the Charles Manson album. God, which is a little odd if you think about it. <laughs> Uh, Joe, I have two words written on the song: fever dream, <laughs> rambling nonsense. Yeah, I just like it's a fever dream song. Um, you're happy, and not like a fun William S. Burroughs fever dream no. type of writing. It's like very weird, paranoid. Again, like this, these songs seem like his uh, his pitch yep. to the girls when he's trying to recruit them. He'll make you lie. He'll make make you cheat just so you won't beat. He'll make you get out of sight, get you afraid. You're going to act like a clown. You get mad when somebody puts you down. Like This seems like that weird nonsense he would be trying to sell to get women into his cult. Cult, 100%. And by the way, he didn't want that many women in his cult. It's just he could not convince guys to join. Gee, I wonder. I wonder why. Oh, considering he'd... One of the initiations was, you know, everybody fucks each other, so they'd have to, like, screw a guy, which, if you're not gay, I'd imagine. Is it's, not, a, it's a hardliner. Not, yeah, it's just, but he's like, but the whole point of that was control. He wanted to control people. It wasn't about, explore, you know, opening your mind to new sensations. It was like, if he can make you do stuff like that, he can make you do other things. Yep. That's exactly what that was. That was yeah, about. It's like, I'm not, I hope I didn't come off as homophobic, but I just, that was no, the reason why he did that. Was, no, no, no. And he got to also remember too, I don't know. No, you're not being homophobic. I remember too that in the sixties, it was incredibly taboo. Incredibly. Yeah. Again, yeah. we're still fighting for the rights of African-American black people, yeah. let alone the, the rights of homosexuals was not anywhere near the fucking surface yet. I mean, you it was just a not. few years ago they same-sex couples were allowed to marry man like, exactly so fucking i'm not gonna get on a soapbox but it's fucked up that it takes us this long to fucking get shit mm-hmm. equal rights which people should we always say we have but we really don't but we really don't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah that's how we you know You'd break people, control them. Like, uh, it's 
Yeah. It's fucking strange, man. Well, well I mean, again, it was different times. Yeah. And <laughs> times, views on it. But then again, so the book I've read, you know, Charlie's initiation into sex was in, you know, reformatory schools, like boys' prisons. Mm-hmm. So his introduction to sex was either rape. Yep. Or, hey, people, I guess in the 40, 30s, 40s, and 50s, they didn't care. These no. schools and these prisons did not give a shit. Did not give a flying fuck. So that's how he, you know, he was introduced to sex. And, you know, a lot of it, sometimes it was consensual. A lot of times it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you if you look at it, he saw sex as a tool and not as an act of love. Right, right. It was it was essentially a form of control. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, goody. Now we're, now we're gonna get to the song that I actually like. This is what I imagined a Charles Manson song would be like. Oh my god, Mechanical Man. Joe. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about Mechanical Man, Paul. Uh huh. You're gonna disagree. There's interesting things going on here. And I, that I think this is like a sketch of like what do you imagine? What I'm sure I think Charlie was like a really produced song, really super produced, like a Zappa-esque or uh Beatles Tomorrow Never Knows type of song. That's the vibe I'm getting from it. He even cribs like some melodies from Tomorrow Never Knows too. This. Yeah, I I will say I had this the, the notes I had written down where if I didn't know any better, I would say a serial killer wrote this. Yeah, but it's interesting, almost because of that. You know what I mean? Like, God, I'm gonna get fucking canceled for saying this shit, but it, it's 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 fascinating to look into the mind of a fucking nut like Charles Manson. It's just like <laughs> you don't want to go too deep into it <laughs> because that's. Those are just poisoned waters, Paul. Well, and you know, again, it's I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mechanical man. I'm a mechanical man. I do the best I can because I have my family. I'm a mechanical boy. My mother's toy. I play in the backyard sometimes. I'm a mechanical man. I'm an illusion, postulated, mocked up through confusion. Now we talk about lyrics a lot of times, <laughs> and, and um, um, you know, um. You know, lyrics are insight into a lot of times. And sometimes we talk about how there's darkness and there's other things into it. But there is a manic craziness to this that is definitely, I mean, even if it wasn't, even if we were, if this was coming off a porch radio, (laughs) we just beat up all the time. I would say there is a scary thing happening right now. Yeah. But there's also elements where I see what he's getting at. Yes. If you look at it, it's very like conformist. It's he's Joe. That's like, part I'm a, of the I'm beauty a of what he was boy, doing. I'm a mother's toy. Like you know, I, I see what he's getting at. Yeah, and yeah. like it makes me nervous that I see that. <laughs> and well, no, because no, I don't think you should be nervous because you see that. Because the thing is, is that this is what he was. I mean, this is what got him his cult. Right? Was the ability to fucking do this shit. Yeah. And and that's the the the, the fascinating part of it was no, the fact that you can see this 
and 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 be that's again that's the brilliance of what he was doing so and you can but see, again, you see this it's it's a square peg in a round hole yes he's the mechanical you know he plays in the backyard sometimes but you know he says it's an illusion this mm-hmm. is not who he is <laughs> who he was is a lot fucking darker but, than i think anybody's suspecting when they're recording this <laughs> Then you get to the end of it, and this is where the this is where I actually think it's far more easier to see the crazy living on oh, illusion yeah. that won't wear out. I had a little monkey, sent him to the country. I fed him gingerbread. Along came a choo choo, knocked my monkey cuckoo. Now my monkey's dead. You're so mechanical. You go lay down. I wonder how a brown cow would say. And then it, and you go, um, yeah. what? What? <laughs> and then here's the thing: the catchiest part of the song is about the dead monkey. Yes. And that part of the song was used by Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. Manson stole that. You know, <laughs> Manson pulled a Dennis Wilson on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, like, you can hear, like, he had an ability to have these melodies and sing them. You know, it's like, and he was, as much as I wish to say, I could say he had no talent, he had very much had a talent of, Coming up spontaneous with things off the top of his head, and it was a little catchy. And that's, that's fucked. I mean, I guess that's one at positive attribute about him. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean he was a piece of shit, but he was able to. Even a bloke broke. He wasn't completely incompetent at music. No, well, we'll get to the next song. Um, he was incompetent, but he wasn't completely incompetent. Joe, the next God. Song. Joe, the what? next song. People say I'm no good. Yeah, Joe. this is again like he's the victim. Joe. Joe. Ever, the whole world's against him, Paul. The out of tune guitar. <laughs> the out of tune guitar. Um he was in the studio. He got one of the the so the engineer who was like Brian Wilson's engineer. Told him, like, he should tune his guitar, and he got all mad at him. Joe. Joe. I don't know if the song's from those sessions, but it would probably make sense. Joe, the out-of-tune guitar is one of the most painful things I've sat through. As a musician, this was almost impossible. I literally have written in my notes. uh, And we sat through Porch Radio. Oh, the out of I wrote down, oh, the out-of-tune guitar is the what the fuck who okayed this? I hate this so much right now, um, because there is a semblance of a song in there. Yeah, but when the guitar is obviously the chords, I know what chords he's trying to make, and it's hurting <laughs> me. And I'm going, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my notes on this is he's a complainer, a bitchy little complainer. <laughs> Uh, because he's just complaining about things. But we do get a little insight, and I think this is probably the most honest I think you'll ever get out of a Charles Manson in this line is everybody says you're no you're no good because you you don't like you don't like they think you should you don't you don't like think they think they should. Do you expect them and do you expect them to act like them? Look at them, man. Look at the fix there. Like Yeah. I think this is very much like the the you know the persona's kind of cracking and he's actually accidentally expressing true feelings and 
I don't think I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> no, no, this is very much his track in a closet moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this is when you go, okay, now we know what we're working with here. Fuckery. Oh, Joe. <laughs> Joe. Joe. Like, this was painful. Um, next song, track Thomas number. you're happy. Moments where you're happy. I, I wrote down. This sounds like it was recorded in the '50s at Sun Records. Yeah, it's a very '50s influence. It's uh, very '50s influence. And that's a weird thing. Like, so he obviously has like these influences, and he can ape them more or less. All right, you know, it's not like I've heard worse. You know, I've heard a lot better, but I've heard a lot worse than Charles Manson's music. Gigi yeah. Allen. Well, <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna get to Gigi Allen. We're gonna get to Gigi Allen at some point. Yeah, at some point. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's just uh, yeah, there's this. It's you know, it's not terrible. It's not great, but it actually is a song. Unlike <laughs> people say, I'm no good is not really much of a song. Joe, Joe, Joe. Yes, and Paul. Then, and then we get to Arkansas. Arkansas. And it actually opens. has a song to it. It, it. it does. But I, okay, there's, I said, oh, there is a struggle. What is happening? I can't even identify half the instruments on this goddamn song. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with like babbling. Uh, from the, from the fucking family. cult. The, yeah, yeah, from the, the cult's yell, and it's un—it's unnerving. It's super unnerving. I'm not gonna lie; it's super uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> Paul, this whole album's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's Charles Manson, man. Get, please get keep up. <laughs> but this is actually like a song, song, and it's uh, country western, which is another turn. Mm-hmm. But it's like a story song, and it's you know. It's not, you know, it's it's fine. It doesn't have the psychotic stuff besides the, the family Joe. arguing at the beginning. Well, I, no, Joe, it's psychotic. It, it's a bunch of people in the studio banging random shit, Joe. It, 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 it it's bad shit. It, yeah, it, it, nothing it, wrong it, with that, Paul. We listen to the house. <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't even fun. Joe, house was just ahead of the curve on that, Paul. <laughs> As a musician, <laughs> from a musician point of view, this song was so because again, I'm listening to things. I'm going, okay, but they're banging and playing and doing and like, I, and I'm going, what the fuck? What is all in that fucking room right now? Because I can't identify fucking half of it. Yeah, and, and it's making these weird brown notes, and it's making me want to shit. And I don't know what's happening. Exactly, Paul. That's why it's a good song. <laughs> God, damn it! But I did, you know, I, you know, it's it actually has a melody and actually like a something happening in the lyrics besides Charlie being a paranoid fucking weirdo, you know, like yeah, yeah. <sighs> oh, Joe, this sucks. Okay, go on. <clears throat> Yeah, that's what I think. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, uh, but yeah, there's, at least there's like a song part to it. Um, now we get to "I'll Never Say Never to Always." Uh, 
that's a word jumble. So all I have in my notes is "Oh goody, cult singing." <laughs> it actually sounds like a song, though, Paul. And, oh. He did something different. He's not singing on it. He, at, know, least he, yeah. at least he changed it up a bit. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's you know, be consistent. Sorry. You hate it when when Roger Waters was bringing in the other singers, and you're fine when it's Charlie. Be consistent, Paul. <laughs> you're the last person to be can tell people to be consistent with these reviews. So <laughs> I would advise you to tread carefully. <laughs> it's not on every goddamn song. It's not relying because Charlie can't sing. It's because this is a, this is a different thing going on, Paul. And the lyrics are kind of fucked up, but it's weird because it's in this weird sing song. <laughs> it it sounds like it's from a fucking Mary Poppins it, dude, it, Like I said, up. it sounds like a fucking. It, like I said, it just literally my notes are, "Oh goody, the cult is singing." Uh, it's really because mm-hmm. uh, that's what it is. Yeah, I've heard worse. <laughs> Sorry, Porridge Radio. I'm gonna have to say Charles Manson's better. Oh my god, that's that. No, Dick, that is a dick move. Go well, on. Man, that's their problem, not mine. No, I'm not letting you do that. Go, I'm no. Go on, Jesus. I just did it, Paul. Yeah, fuck you, uh, <laughs> Joe. Garbage dump. So this is, uh, you know, uh, so the family to feed themselves with dumpster dive and. A lot of they Charlie learned this from a group called the Diggers, Paul. Uh, sure. The Diggers and Hate Ashbury. There was a huge influx of kids going to San Francisco in, in, in around this time, around the summer of love. And the, what the Diggers were doing is they were trying to feed them. Like I mean, this is so many people are showing up in this city, and they're starving. And there was all sorts of like they helped with medical assistance and charlie hung around with them and that's where he, he got the idea because the diggers would just go to grocery stores and go into the dumpsters because they would throw out food but the food wasn't complete it wasn't they, it wasn't bad it was just past the expiration date mm-hmm. so that's how they the diggers would feed all these uh these people who were just going to san francisco trying to find something you know like we've all been in our twenties, we all kind of relate to that. Manson saw that and he just taught his followers to do it to feed his cult, <laughs> and uh, then he wrote a song about it called "Garbage Dump," sung to the tune of "Home on the Range." Paul, damn it, Joe. My only note is in all caps. What is happening? I'm scared. Um, <clears throat> you should be. Now I will say. I, I will say. <laughs> I will say, I am very familiar with dumpster diving. Um, there was a time where I was living out of my car, and I hung out with a lot of punks. And actually, um, I, if you remember, maybe you don't remember, maybe you weren't, I, I, you, you might have been gone by this point, but there was a giant, like, office um, uh, that dumped all their computers, so a bunch of us found out that this was going to happen. This company was going out of business and we went and dumpster dived all these fucking computers and monitors and shit. And then these people would refurbish them and sell them um, to make money. Um, these refurbished office computers. So, yeah, I mean, 
there, I, I, I don't harp on the fact that you're dumpster diving. People dumpster dive, but motherfuck, when Charlie Manson's singing about it, it sure is fucking creepy. Yeah, it's, but you know, it's basic. You know, <laughs> you could feed the world with this garbage dump. And it, so, <laughs> there's a weird thing about Charlie Manson, Paul. One weird thing. <laughs> what one is weird that? Thing. Gee, what is that one weird thing, Joe? I'm so, curious. Like, you know, he he was always manipulating and whatever, and he would preach shit he didn't believe in. But for some reason, there was one cause that he just, for some reason, he personally uh, gravitated to, and that was environmentalism. Fair. I don't know why. And I don't want to get into the mindset of understanding why Charles Manson was an environmentalist. But this is pretty much an environmentalist type of song. It's hunger. It's showing that the wor- there's so much waste People are just throwing shit out. And Charlie's there like his family are living off the fucking scraps. But then there's like weird talk in this song, Paul. (laughs) It's weird, Joe. It's weird. Like I said, I am pickers of America, Paul. (laughs) The garbage pickers of America. Garbage pickers of America. Whoa. Oh, but it smells, Paul. It smells, Paul. It smells, Joe. It smells. God damn it, Joe. But, you know, there's actually, I hate to say it, but there's a message here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I will give, no, there is one thing we can honestly give Charlie. He wasn't short of shit to say, was he? He definitely had his opinions. <laughs> and that's the thing, though. Like, no, you never really, again, because he was fucking nuts. Mm. You never knew, like, what he believed or what he did. Like, <laughs> but, like, the environmentalism thing was, like, one of the few consistent things he was pretty open about. So I, just, I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah, does that outweigh the cult murders? I don't no, know. not exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like this, that's just a weird little tidbit I've picked up over the year. Inquiring years. minds want to know, Joe. Oh, hey. <laughs> he had one cause that he he gravitated towards. Too. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't undo the damage he did. I'm just saying it's a little tidbit. I mean, did he prevent? You know, I'm not going to like. Maybe. I'm not going to talk about it for three hours like you. <laughs> with <laughs> fucking WWE, you know, <laughs> jumping on me for a tidbit. Jesus Christ, Paul. <laughs> so in nineteen in, in the 1980s, Cindy Lauper met fucking Lou Albano. <laughs> oh God! Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. You know, he he had environmental views. It's, it's just weird because he had no real solid views on anything. Well, I think he had some solid views on some things, Joe. It depends. It depends. Or it honestly depends. He was yeah, racist, yeah. but like. But was he? Was he really racist? Well, he was, was racist. It? Don't get me wrong. But like. Well, then he had a solid opinion on something. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Hey, Joe. How about we just don't do anything illegal? This was a weird one, huh? Isn't it? It's like a bluesy song that is all about how oh, he hates being hassled by cops. Well, and, and I even said, I said, this is beyond avant-garde. I said, <laughs> move over, Yoko. Yeah, yeah, move over, Yoko. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> how can I get a feeling this would be an album championed by Frank Zappa? <laughs> uh, I, no. 
No, oh, he, he he championed the Shakes, and that's one of the worst fucking albums I've ever. Heard. But, 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 but 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 at the same time, But at the same time, I will say though there was a musical. I mean, it wasn't great. He had of Zappa too, Paul. I understand that, and I believe Zappa was not a fan. Um, I don't know anything. I, I'm pretty fucking sure Zappa was not a fan. I'm sure he wasn't. I don't know. Tell Young was. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, I, I mean, that's what we just need. We need them working together. Um, but what? But the 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 today junior. But the point is on that is is that no, I think Zappa would have looked at it like again the guitars not being tuned, things like that. That would have been a pet peeve. Zappa. That would really, he championed the Shags. They sang out of tune, Paul. But it was still a thing. I'm that doesn't. Sure. That's not just saying it's a thing. Doesn't make it a thing, Paul. The Shags fucking sucked. Fine, Joe. Be consistent, Continue. Paul. Be consistent with your answers, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Whatever. Now we get to Six City, and this is my note, Paul, because I, I started looking at these song titles. <laughs> he had interesting song titles. I'll give him that. Unfortunately, these songs are boring. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. song titles, at least those are like, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. look interesting. Unfortunately, they don't. They're not as interesting as they the don't titles. do anything. No, no, no. I mean. And I, and this one, what what is slick slick city? Six, I, the city yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you know, there are times where the voice isn't bad, but again, someone needs to tune his shit. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, good luck with that, Paul. You can't be shown as needing correction in front of anybody. <laughs> Joe, it was. I mean, I it, think he probably gonna have somebody killed for something. Like <laughs> Not Charlie. He was so stable. <laughs> God. Yeah, the out of tune guitar, man. And then it's, just beating I, it like a fucking drum. I know, dude. And he is. And he's just smacking. And you know, if you know anything, you know it's fucking knocking to the strings. You're going to get more out of tune for the next fucking song. And you're going, fucking stop it, you son of a whore. Um, and, but again, there is a sem. And what. And I, oh God, and so, because again, I'm struggling because I don't want to give the guy credit, but I, I, again, we're looking at this from an objective point of view as much as we can. Um, yeah. <laughs> as much as we fucking can. Um, because boy, it's hard to be objective in this one. I, I don't want it to be good. I don't want it yeah. to be good. But well, the thing is, it's not that good. It's just there's interesting things going there's on. There's interesting sure. things going on. Like, like okay, had. Um, the Guns N' Roses covered maybe this song. I could actually see that. I mm-hmm. could see someone sitting back and going, yeah, it's Charlie Manson. Yeah, the guitar's out of tune. You know, which again, takes, it's weird because if the guitar was in tune, I actually think this song could have been something. Yeah. Because it's a good song. And his voice was alright with it. But again, thank God he wouldn't let anybody tune his shit so nobody wanted to fucking hear it. Thank it's you, not, Charlie. Letting somebody tune his guitar really changed history. Yeah. Yeah. That's I a mean, butterfly effect right there. Okay. Well, again, maybe someone did need to just step in and do it. Maybe I need to go back in time and tune his guitar so he doesn't fucking kill people. Oh, I'll dude. take that fucking back in time. You just, you just fucking, <laughs> you just shoot his mom. 
I mean, but they're sitting like frame him for some crime so he doesn't get released. Yeah, yeah, frame him for something. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll kill the Tates and frame him for that. Um, but the point. (laughs) Jesus, Paul. Cut that out. Sorry. (laughs) Just beep it out. I can't believe you said that. What the fuck is wrong with you, Paul? The joke was there. It was there. Um, I. Man, that's like the human giant joke where (laughs) Paul Shear goes back to September 10th, 2001 to buy Crystal Pepsi. (laughs) Joe. Joe. We were off the rails anyways. But <laughs> this is <laughs> we this I mean but yeah, I mean this is something where I could excuse someone saying there's a thing here. Mm-hmm. Um the, the lyrics aren't that great, but the style, the guitar, the, the you know, I mean the the, the I, even though it's out, I mean the fact that it's out of tune and I can hear a song in it and I go, Yeah, okay, you're you actually were on to something here. Like it or not, this is the one that I give credence on the album. Yeah, again, he just he's so unfocused. Yeah, probably yeah. too busy running a cult. That'd be too. I mean, yeah, I mean, all the families there hanging out, pissing, and oh wait, that was R. Kelly. Sorry, go on. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> all night. <laughs> all right, now we get to cease to exist. Uh, this is one of the prof- uh, professionally produced demos. This was from 67. This song and Eyes of a Dreamer, I believe, were from when he went to the the Universal Records or whatever. So that's why this one has a little more, sounds a little better quality. Um, This is also the song that uh, the Beach Boys covered. mm. Beach Boys, I think, sound, (laughs) Dennis was able to like make the melodies work a little better. And he had to, he changed the lyrics. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why when you're like, you know, pretty, pretty girl cease to exist. Just come and say you love me. Give up your world. Yep. Like this is this is his pitch. This is his pitch to his cult members. Yo, my little... so what he's asking them to do. It's, it's fucking jarring. So I have written down here. This sounds like Bob Dylan on acid. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it's literally worse than Bob Dylan. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it is. It, I'm, I, I'm not going to deny that. But there's I mean, the fact that I was, it does sound different than the other ones because, again, as you said, the the production on it is a different quality. But at the same time, bro, dude, this is a mess. This is an absolute like I was. Uh, I was really struggling to get through this song because I was just like, make it fucking in, make it fucking in, make it fucking in. This is like, this is like Dylan. If Dylan was all fucked up and was like, come on, let's record. (laughs) Yeah. Which he did all the time and he could make it through just fine. But this was like when he was on the wrong bender. Yeah. 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 This is, this is Bob Dylan on the bad end of a, of a bender writing a song. Yeah. But it's like it's better produced. And again, like the the Beach Boys version, actually, it's not a bad. Their version is not that bad. I actually think it works. Uh, again, it's more focused and more polished, and you know, so it kind of shows like what you could do with mm-hmm. yeah. what he's doing here. He yeah. just again, he just had, he had no focus. Like he was just all about 
starting this cult and starting trying to create a race war. I mean, yeah, I mean, he had focus. It just wasn't. Yeah, other, other, other priorities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was working on a, <laughs> he had a lot of fires in the yeah. oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of fires going. You know, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> a lot of irons in the fire, there, Joe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I you know, this is again, this is one of those songs that, like. Yeah, I guess we're disagree, but it works as a song for me as opposed to a lot of these other ones. So maybe because it's a little more polished than the other songs. But yeah. uh, next, Big Iron Door. Not a lot of subtext here, Paul. It's about it, basically his experience with his whole life being in prison. Yeah, and again, I have it written down again with the out of out of tune yeah. guitar shit. I just wish Charles Manson would kill me yeah. already. <laughs> Oh, you would have made that happen, Paul. <laughs> he wasn't shy about that. No, sir, he was not. But, like, there's no insight into, like, what it, it's, you know, like, he's not giving insight of what it's like to be in prison. He's just kind of paying, he's just ex- detailing what he saw and shit. So it's very, it's just, it's weird. It's it's almost like Patrick Bateman in the book American Cycle, just a deep, Talk, explaining what he's seeing in detail with no real context or sub, subtext to it. So it's just really just, it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's, it's and again, I'm not going to say it's bad. It's not great. It's no. again, unfocused. But uh, once again, I could sit here and even, I, if, the thing is, the, it's it's the instrumentation. That yeah. really kills all, it no longer is music anymore. It's just some weird guy paid for studio time to fucking indulge his fucking weird shit. And this is what you get. Like, this well, is well, my Paul, average. He never paid for studio time. It was <laughs> given to him. Okay, fair enough. But you, uh, the the point is, is exactly that. Right. Charlie's a cheap son of a bitch, Paul. <laughs> He's not going to spend money again. He can't even afford food. He has to eat okay. all the dumpsters. Guys, follow your dreams, because if a poor son of a bitch like Charlie can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we get into, you know, we're in the tail end, and there's another left curveball here, Paul, with I once knew a man, which is oh. like flamenco style. Yeah, and it's boy. Like stuff. It, is, it's, I, it doesn't sound bad. Like, I like the what the, the guitar style is doing here. It's just... Mm-hmm. Again, it's just not focused, so it becomes a literal. My notes are cult suck. Um, yep. yep, my notes are cult suck. Now, what scares me about this song is what the title could imply, and I was really uncomfortable um, with that. Um, and I was like, man, knowing like what we know about Charles Manson, I, I was really uncomfortable with the song. Hmm. You there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the lyric once I once knew a man, so he so love um he was to be. I once knew a man whose heart opened you could see. Sadder than the dream that he should pass us by, sadder than the scheme in his name uh, uh is in the name is written in the sky. Joe, I'm not I was I was I was I still am physically uncomfortable even reading those lyrics, knowing what we know what this cult did. And I truly wonder if this is not a confession song. Could be. Yeah. 
I mean, probably. I mean, probably. I don't think he had much of a filter with these songs because he's pretty, like, you know, going back. What song? Yeah. He's, you know, like, you know, people say I'm no good. Like, there's stuff in here where he's actually, you know, the, the facade goes down a bit. So very much probably is a confession song. He probably didn't even realize it. I Exactly. Exactly. I think subconscious was coming out. So, yeah, this really was one of the first songs. Um, like, I mean, the whole thing made me uncomfortable. When I, but when I saw the title of this song and heard some of the lyrics, I just like my a literal blood went cold. I was just physically uncomfortable. I was like, oh, this is this is this is a realm of dark. I'm not sure if I was prepared for. <laughs> and we've done a lot of fucked up shit on this show. Yeah. Looking well, at you, Porch Radio. Yeah, they're really taking a beating on the Charles <laughs> Those uh, guys are going to find us and sue us. Uh, and then the album ends with uh, eye, uh, Eyes of a Dreamer. Uh, another kind of crooner song. I put down, it. this one is another, it's kind of a song. That's literally what my yeah. notes were. It's kind of a song. Um, it's a crooner thing. It, again, it, it <laughs> it's just some jarring lyrics. Yeah. All the songs have been sung. All the saints have been hung. <laughs> the horrors and cries have been wailed. All the people have been jailed in the eyes of the dreamer. Yeah. 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 Joe, I mean, I, well, Joe. It's four, yeah. it's, only, it's fourteen tracks, only three, only thirty some minutes. Yeah, it's like a Weezer album. <laughs> <laughs> Weezer's gonna sue us for this. Oh, I'm sorry, Char- <laughs> Charles Manson made a better sounding, made a better album than Weezer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta be careful. Like the only people that reviewed this album, when they reissue, it's gonna have. It's like a Weezer album. <laughs> they rate this album. It's better than Weezer. It's It kicks Radio Porridge in the dick. Paul <laughs> <laughs> Muhadi. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we gotta be real careful while we tread on this one, sir. We <laughs> we live in the darkest timeline. They will use our words against us. Um, I, I <laughs> Joe was <laughs> goddamn. I don't even want to ask. You're that. right, there, Paul. <laughs> no, because I gotta ask the question, Joe. What was the aftermath? Uh, so it was. <sighs> I believe like 2,000 copies were printed, and they—I think he only sold like 300. Again, it's—it's it's more of a curio that people would just buy, but I think most people would be pretty uncomfortable having it in their collection. So I don't. Uh-huh. But I mean, there's a deluxe version of a CD version of it with like, you know. 13 extra tracks so. in the darkest fucking timeline um i mean i'm not opposed to you know you know me i'm not, i'm very anti-censorship um things like that i do think something like this is you know whatever but to put a fucking deluxe album fuck you fuck you yeah i mean it's 
there's an audience for it, Paul. I oh mean, boy, just, that's just the thing. Is there's an audience for it? I mean, it's just I I have nothing against it. I think it's interesting if you you kind of know his story. There's like weird little insights that pop up in the lyrics. Oh, absolutely. Which are just like I mean, for me, it's a it again like his story like it's just kind of fascinating. Like the just you know this part of a monster's life and like he was so like it was like the most important thing to him and you know there's a little you know my there's some talent here but it just it's but then the lyrics have like this, these weird like almost easter eggs like it what we know now it's holy shit paul it's just fucked up it's really joe this is you and I have gone down four seasons of this show. It's really gone down some fucked up territories. Uh, this one is no again. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about Phil Spector. We've talked about some other things, but to sit here and know what what was going to come after this album and like, yeah. you yeah. know, these this... soccer recorded like the the yeah. the chair and the horror and just mm-hmm. the fucking mm-hmm. pointless loss of life because. You know, this guy's just a fucking nut. I mean, that's just at the end of it. And he, you know, he had people willing to kill for him. And they're, you know, they're just as guilty of that shit. Like, they don't get off because, you know, I don't, they weren't completely brainwashed. I I don't think they were ever, all of them were completely brainwashed. I think maybe a few of them were. But, yeah, it's... It's fucking, it's rough. It's rough. It's a rough, uh, it's a rough story. Like there's no winners in the story of Charles Manson. No, 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 no. And there's never, no, there's no, really there's no positive thing even associated with him. No. I mean, he was just a fucking monster. Like I said, he was born with a glitch. In his brain, and unfortunately, that's it led to fucking death, destruction, mayhem, a lot of hurt people. Yeah, and again, there it wasn't really bizarre. Well, he had more than this this album, but yeah, he did. This is just like a weird kind of footnote to that story, but it's it's just it's interesting in that listening to it knowing what we know and then it's just there's just the fascination that all like we, we live in a culture that's just kind of fascinated with true crime and yep i don't behoove it because i think we're all interested in the psyche and what would drive people to do shit like this i think that's the appeal i don't you know i don't condone anything he did but i i'm just fascinated like how this happens it, it's it's it, endlessly it's like same when i read up on ted bundy when i read oh yeah the stranger beside me like how does this shit happen you know it's just it's fascinating you know monsters among among us you know and and and, and the thing is too is that someone we know are, are you know, someone of this nature right fucking um was in a studio making music, hanging out with these people, right? And then this happens, and then, you know, the aftermath. And I mean, again, this came out after the trial, which sensationalism is, is what it is. Um, 
but it's still just like one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I get the psyche of it. Um, but some things I don't, I, I worry, I mean, just like anything I was talking, you know, having some earlier philosophical discussions say about AI and technology and things like that. Sometimes it's not the question of should it or should it not be allowed or whatever. The question really is it's here. How do we handle the fact that it's here? Yeah. And I think this falls, this album falls in. It's not a matter of should it or should it not. The matter is how do we handle something knowing that Charlie Manson has a fucking uh, musical albums out there. Yeah. So, yeah. He is, is <clears throat> out there. Like, yeah, like, people want to listen to him. You enjoy him. Like, that's well, your thing. Like, I'm not going to be hoof people because they like, they like this album because here's the thing. Like, there's artists I don't like and I like artists other people don't like. Mm-hmm. And with you, you know, there's that stigma with Manson, obviously. Yes. Which so like when somebody told if somebody's like, "Oh, I love this album," I would have to take a pause. I'd have to pause. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'd have to take a minute to like take that in. Yep. But 100%. Uh, I get it because we we don't get choose what we like. You know, we either like it or we don't. Well, and the other thing with it too, Joe, is again, I have to look at it from the point of view of. Um, again, I was having philosophical discussions about should or should not on certain things be allowed around the technology space and in the creative space and things like that. And I, my argument on a lot of things is I look at the war on drugs as the prime example. Once you take something away that people know is out there and is there, you create a market for it. Mm-hmm. And so to sit there and say, no, you can't listen to these albums, it glorifies it even more. Yeah, you, it creates you, a mystique around it. Ex- you nailed it, Joe. And then there's going to be more people trying to get a hold of it and mysticizing and putting on this pedestal it doesn't deserve because this has to be so bad. It's not allowed. And it's a gross, sick fascination thing. It's just mm-hmm. how things work. So, yeah, I'm not opposed to the fact that this is out there. Um, I just have my own opinions about the fact that it's out there. I don't, here's the thing. I don't care. It's out there. It's out there. It's mm-hmm. pee in the pool. Yep. Uh, yep. It's pee in the pool. And again, you know, it's, uh, it's what it is. Uh, the album didn't kill people. Charlie did, you know, hundred so, percent. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't care. Like there's people who collect artwork from John Wayne Casey and shit. Yeah. 100%. I mean, there's just like, and it, again, I've, it's fascinating like that shit's fascinating and there's people who are just get really into it and then i i'm not gonna be who of them because it's it it is like I've, i even sit on this during this review i've read multiple books on charles manson because i'm fascinated by the story i am i've always been fascinated with the whole psychology especially in that big yeah the psychology like what drove yeah. like and like manson like once you kind of dig dig in and you, you see how he was doing it he himself is like a character i'm more fascinated in how like the semi-normal people who gravitate into his family and how that how they you know well, like how yeah. you fall for something like that you know that to me is also fascinating like how does how do people or because you look at the people who are in the, the family like a lot of them were like from 
middle-class families. Middle-class families. You know, some were educated, college. I mean, it just it's fascinating that people fall into this shit, man. Well, and, and the other thing with it is, and I think a lot of it comes down to, is the sense of belonging. You have this void. And some people, they just don't have, I mean, they said that, you know, I mean, Charles Manson, for as crazy as he was, he did have an above average IQ. And so he was able to use that charisma and draw people in. And I think he was able to see how he could fill that void. And then as you bring in other members of the family, now you got other people who are like, oh, no, you got this sense of belonging, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it becomes the gang mentality of no, we can beat you up, but no one else can beat you up. You're safe with us. But, yeah, we'll treat you like shit, but we're not going to allow anyone else to treat you like shit. And, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. There was just this. And, again, there wasn't the Internet. There wasn't social circles for all the for all the shit show that social media has created. You're seeing what would have happened already, which was these people were falling into their factions, falling into their tribes. Mm-hmm. It's just what you do. So, you know, now and rather than running with fucking tri- I mean, if the Internet had been out there. I don't actually don't think Charles Manson, even though he would have had more appeal to it. I don't think he would have gotten nearly the followers that he did because it would have been harder for him to convince them to follow. Yeah. Again, it was the perfect storm. It was very mm-hmm. much at the time, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he, would, if he was around in this day and age. I don't think he'd have a cult. I think he would just be a pimp. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, low-level drug dealer. Pimp. I mean, that's what he was before he went to prison, so... So his pimp band would have been medium strong. Uh, well, considering he had 30 followers, I, I would say medium and above average pimpness. <laughs> I mean, like, how many pimps do you know that have 30 people? Yeah, that's valid. Hoes. That's valid. That's valid. I mean, that's a lot of hoes to keep. And he has a lot of bottom bitches, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, again, it's it's fascinating to me, and I just you know, and again, I chose this. You know, it's it's out there, it's a thing, and it's also he was very much in circles with bands that are very popular. Like he was running around with famous people. Mm-hmm. This is fucked up. <laughs> it's it's very fucked up. So into to the day Dennis Wilson died, he was a he he was still afraid of this these people in this family. Yeah, uh, and again, yeah, there's people who we, yeah, it's, <sighs> Joe, would you, I guess we got to get down to it, would Would you recommend this album? No, Paul, I would not recommend this album. It's interesting, again, for me, because I'm interested in weird shit like this. I don't condone what he did or anything, mm-hmm. but I think there's stuff here that if you're reading books about Manson, you listen to this album, you're going to see a lot of the stuff that how he built shit. And it's it to me, that's fascinating. So, and, you know, it's not necessarily a good album, but I think uh, it has its place for me. So I would recommend it, but uh, not because the music's good. you know this is not a musically great album i I just i'm interested in this shit so i if you're interested in like true crime and serial killer shit you you know 
give it a shot because you're going to probably pick up on shit that is just like, oh, fuck, that's from whatever in his life. And that's fucked up that he's talking about it here and shit. So, no, Paul, I would not recommend this album. Oh, Paul Mugabe. Yeah. The... <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> would you recommend Live by Charles Manson? I I can't do it. For me as a musician, there was so much pissing me off that yeah. it wasn't, again, the out-of-tune guitar. The beating the, of the, like the I said, beating. the music is bad on this. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, musically, it's not that interesting for me. It's from the psychological shit. Yeah. You know, um, it's just like, for me, it's just like, you know, that's fascinating to me. So, like, the music to me, I, it's whatever. Yeah, it's the I, weird shit he's saying that I'm just like, holy fuck, what the, what's your glitch, buddy? Yeah, I just, that's that's the problem with it. Like, from a musical standpoint, I, and it's just, it's not an album. It, I mean, it, it's a curiosity. And so, yeah, I really can't validate it in terms of making it um, a thing. Um. So yeah, I just no, I I don't think there's enough music. Again, if you're curious about Charles Manson, sure, check it out. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I, here's a casual music listener is gonna say, "What the fuck is this shit?" Hundred percent. If you're interested in Charles Manson, yeah, then this is gonna be something you might be interested in if you kind of want to get a glimpse into like, uh, even though there's not a lot of it. There's just these slivers of his psyche mm-hmm. shit that again I I find that shit interesting. So no, I I, I again I'm not disagreeing with that. I feel um, like you're attacking me, Paul. No, not <laughs> I feel like you're trying to get me canceled now. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. Because from your point of view, I can totally understand it. Yeah, I feel I, like I, I I articulated it hopefully that yes. Again, no. I don't condone any of the shit that happened, but it happened and yeah. It, and there, I'm interested in that stuff. Right. As a curio. Yeah. Sure. Check it out. I mean, it, yeah, like, it, yeah, it, like a William Shatner. Album. Well, no, because a million. No, no William no. Shatner was a lot better. Than yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, this is by far the worst album we reviewed because I don't even consider it a music album. Oh, no, uh, no. God damn you, Joe. <laughs> the traveling boot band was way worse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Charles Manson has more musical talent than Hulk Hogan. And I'm just going to put that out there. And that's the bottom line because Joe said so. <laughs> Fair enough. Joe, do you got any plugs? No, Paul, I don't. Oh, and I just saw so another. So, as you know, for research for this album, I, you know, I got really bummed out. Because it's a dark fucking story. So I had to share with Paul the ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I forever loved Tarantino. Because he does these, like, retcons of history. And I think if anybody deserved a happy ending, it's Sharon Tate. Yeah. And the fact that Cliff Booth fucking throws that can of dog food at Susan Atkins' face. And fucking has his dog. A dog, yeah. <laughs> just attack Tex Watson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's wonderful. Again, I I love. I mean, the the, uh, the whole ending of um. Yeah, I mean that's not what happened, but I like 
Right, right. Well, that I mean, he was uh, able, to, like at least with his art. Yeah, I mean, look at them. Um, like, yeah, Inglorious Bastards. The ending of Inglorious Bastards is fantastic. Yeah, you know, yeah, I get it. And it's like, yeah, give us these real whatever. Um, you know, like these, like these, these, like, these the, happy. Like, they give them the comeuppance they never got. Yes, yes. And that's what least... like, you know. He, that might be like a form of porn. I think some people. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because like, I'm in. What these what these fucking people did was so horrendous that like yeah. I when I saw that in the theater, and I've read the books and I was like, oh no, they're not gonna. I I was hoping they didn't recreate the Sharon Tate murders, but when they go in the wrong house. <laughs> Cliff Booth is tripping on acid and he kills him and then DiCaprio takes the flamethrower. Yes, dude. Dude. It's just like there's a sense of like relief. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, you know, it's like I'm living like you know, it's not the ending in real life we got, but it's the one we kind of all wish always happened. we, it's we all wish we that deserved. was how it happened. It's the one we deserved. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one, yeah. So it's the ending we deserved, but oh. yeah, no, Joe, I mean, again, and I, and again, I look at it from the point of view of as a curio. Sure. But as a musical album, no, yeah, I cannot, I can't recommend this as, as an album. No, I, I cannot. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It's not musically. It's, a, it's very uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it's a mess. Again, it's not even. It's not. Well, to be fair, I actually I don't want to be fair. Like it's just fucking terrible shit. But it's interesting to people weirdos like me, Paul. You're at, and, and you know what? And there are people, and that's fine. Again, I'm all for it being out there for that reasons. Um, it's just like I said it for for rate this album. I cannot. I cannot recommend it. Um, I rate this album as garbage. Um, so you should have be in the garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we are, okay, so we got through this, we got through this, we got through this, we got through this, you got no plugs, I got no plugs. Joe, you going to ask me what we're going to do next week? I don't know, Paul, I think I'd rather cease to it. <laughs> I hope it's not anything illegal, Paul. It will go down to Arkansas, where home is where you're happy. Because you're a mechanical man, Paul. You're a mechanical man. I am a horrible... son of a bitch. What are we doing next, Paul? We are doing a request. And we are doing Imagine Dragons Evolve. Evolve, okay. Evolve. I don't know much about this band. Yeah, it's their third studio album that we are doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Are they covered by Guns N' Roses? Um, I'm. <laughs> or the Beach Boys? <laughs> or the Beach Boys? I don't. Brian Jonestown Massacre. Yeah, I unfortunately. Marilyn Manson. Mm, no, no, maybe some kids on TikToks. <laughs> Frontline Assembly, Paul. <laughs> uh, maybe Gigi Allen. <laughs> maybe Gigi Allen. Maybe Gary Glitter. <laughs> Devendra Bonhart. <laughs> Phil Spector helped it's with the Holocaust. It's fucking kind of gross how many people have covered Manson's music. But again, I, I don't condone what he did. And for me, this is a curio. And like, that they're covering it just, I don't I know. Get, to get like the notoriety, I think that's like exactly the shock value. I get shock value stuff, but 
that's like low hanging fruit for me. Well, I get Marilyn Manson is. Whole, I mean, come on, he took the whole Manson last name for that shock value. Well, that was all part of the, you know, right. First parts, Marilyn. You know, that was the whole gimmick was like good and evil. Shit. Yes, oh. yes, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, no, no, uh, Kasabian's Spana, you know, Ranch. Uh, they, you know, Kasabian got their name. Span Ranch got their name. Marilyn Manson got their name. Crispin Glover. Glover. <laughs> Pretty good old uh, George McFly, Paul. Good old George McFly fucking did it. Um, Hello, anybody uh, there? Obviously not. McFly. Uh, McFly, don't I'm cover Manson. Biff was right. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Is that where we got to, Paul? <laughs> we got to the this Charles Manson review. Biff from Back to the Future was right. <laughs> Biff was not the bad guy. Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> we've, gone through, we've gone through so. We've been on a journey, Paul. <laughs> We've gone through the looking glass and we're on the other side, sir. We will never be the same after this album. Um, yeah, I just, you know, fucking Christ, Joe. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Oh, here we go. Here we can see. So it was Charles Manson on lead vocals, rhythm guitar, and Tapani. It was Bobby Busseli on electric yep. guitar. It was Steve Clem Grogan on the bass. It was Paul Watkins on the French horn. Oh, there was a French horn in there, apparently. Paul Watkins, yeah. Paul yeah. Watkins, like he, I believe he escaped after the murders. Yeah, I think so. And then Gypsy was on the violin and backup vocals. Um, Diane Lake was on the recorder. Um, Mary was on the flute. And squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. Yeah, you know, yeah, like so, <laughs> that reach, man. Like fucking in the seventies, squeaky tried to assassinate Gerald Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, yep. man, the story is so like it's out of like, I mean, I I hate sounding like a weirdo, but like, it is fascinating. If no, it if is. This, it fucking read Helter Skelter, read because it's it, it's so fucking surreal. Yeah, it, it is. is. Like, fuck. <laughs> squeaky from. Jesus yeah. Christ. Squeaky, 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 squeaky. Produced yeah. by a guy who's worked with the Rolling Stones, Frank Zappa, yeah. Amy Lou Harris. I mean, how did, I mean, think, okay, think about that story in your life. I survived an encounter with the Manson family. Not only that. <laughs> He recorded and an album by him. How do they not? I mean, do you, do you not think you were some nights where he thought he was going to get fucking killed by them? That was, that was another interesting thing in the Helter Skelters. How the people who left were so paranoid that they would get killed. Because that's how far that shit got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, it, and again, I would be worried. Like I said, I mean, I would be terrified. Like, oh my god, they're gonna come after me because I fucked up their music album. You know what I mean? Yeah, very uh, much could have happened too. You never know. Like they could. That's yeah. It's fucking terrifying. It's it's fucking, some bitch. It's fucking scary, dude. Thanks a lot, Dale Carnegie. You Thanks son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Dale Carnegie, you son of a bitch. Um, no, it was all fucked up, dude. It was all 
I don't know. It's mm, I just don't have. Yeah. Huh? So, but next week we're doing Imagine Dragons. Okay. I mean, Joe, 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 do you like Imagine Dragons? God, do you even listen when we're talking, Paul? I said I don't know anything about them. How about you, Imagine Dragon? These nuts. Get, get your no. shit Joe, how about you, Imagine Dragon? These nuts across your face. <laughs> <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, you'll pay. Don't think you'll pay. <laughs> <sighs> I just spent my water. God damn it. I spent my water. Oh. You squirted, Paul. Down. <laughs> Down. <laughs> this is a same. <laughs> I need new pants. <laughs> <laughs> you heard right there, Paul. No, no, I'm fucking broken. <laughs> <laughs> I was the Charlie Manson and they dragging my nuts across your face jokes. Uh, all in one podcast. What is happening? <sighs> okay. Joe, I got to Do you want to take us out? No. <laughs> I can't find the fucking no, I don't want to share the screen. Hit the fucking reply. Did we love you? Did we hate you? Do you even care? Yes, you did. We're the best damn review team out there. How did we rate your elbow.